بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين اللهم أخرجني من ظلمات الفهم وأكرمني بنور الفهم اللهم افتح علينا أبواب رحمتك وانشر علينا خزائن علومك برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين We continue our discussion about prophethood from Unit 4 of Islamic Belief System. One of the characteristics of the prophets is that they are infallible. They are free from sins and mistakes. This needs a more discussion. We discuss it partly here, but also in books on Imama, in Aqa'id, the discussion is expanded because we believe that Imams also should be infallible. When it comes to the Isma or infallibility, the area that all Muslims agree is infallibility in delivering the message of God. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala communicates to humanity through the prophets, this channel should be acting as truthfully and trustworthy as possible. They should receive the message of God as God sends it down and then pass it on to people, relay to people again as God sent it down. So in receiving, in preserving, in relaying to people, whether it be by reciting to them the verses or teaching the meaning and interpretation of the verses, there should be no mistake. In the same area of delivering the message, there should be no sin. Sin is a great mistake which has also moral significance. When it comes to the personal life of the prophets, some Muslims believe that it's possible that prophets make mistakes or maybe even unintentional sins or intentionally they may commit minor sins. This is what different schools have said about personal life of the prophets. And when it comes to the period before the prophethood, again, some Muslims, they have the idea that maybe prophets used to worship idols, maybe they did some mistakes, maybe they actually even committed some uh, sins, 
before becoming prophet but then they repent then they become very pious and become prophets but that history is not an issue but the Shia theologians have the idea that infallibility is not limited to the delivery of the message infallibility is also extended to their personal life and the life before they become prophets uh, we have discussed this issue in the book Shi Islam origins faith and practices so those who are interested they can refer to that book but uh, briefly here we say that the prophets have a kind of knowledge and understanding that helps them to refrain from sins you know some of the bad things that everyone understands we find that we have a kind of isma or infallibility with respect to them so this is not something that we totally uh, don't experience for example going to the street without any dress nakedly is something bad and we all understand this but its badness is so clear so obvious that we never do this maybe for example there are things that we know they are bad for example you know like backbiting but still some of us may do it but going to the street nakedly is so bad and its badness is so obvious that no one does it or for example say drinking blood is haram is prohibited but is there anyone from normal people who would want to drink blood or who would even for example um, unintentionally may forget that it is bad and then they do it no as soon as we see it we don't have any desire for drinking it or for example saying um, beating your for example i don't know little child you know for example you know if you have been given a little baby few days old is there anyone who would even uh, think of or comes to his mind or her mind of beating a child an innocent child so there are things that we are immune from because we very clearly strongly understand their ugliness it's not that we are not able to do it it's not that we are created in the way that we have no way of doing it no we are able to do it but we don't want to do it the prophets are also able to commit sins but they don't want to do it because they understand the ugliness of these sins so clearly that they won't desire 
doing it, let alone doing it. What is important is that prophethood is something which is not like a formal position, an official position only. You know, sometimes we see in human societies two people who are equal, one of them is promoted and is given a position, the other one is not given the position, although they were the same. Even sometimes we see a person who was less qualified is given position. The other one who was more qualified, more experienced, is not given the position. Many things like this can happen in human societies. But when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's choice, He knows best where to put his message, his mission, whom to appoint, whom to raise as prophet, as Nabi, or as a Rasul, as a prophet or messenger. He would only choose <coughs> the best, the people that are at such level of piety that for them receiving direct or indirect communication from God is possible. Receiving revelation is not something like receiving on a piece of paper that you have been promoted, you have been become, you know, boss, you have become, I don't know, director of this institute or office, you have become minister, for example. No. Becoming a prophet, receiving revelation is something real and it needs real qualifications. If someone is going to be selected by the council of, for example, scholars as the most knowledgeable scholar or as the most pious scholar, can this be something subjective? Can this be something just as a matter of formality so they can choose anyone even if he's the less uh, or the least knowledgeable and pious and say you are selected as the most knowledgeable no if they do it it's mistake and if Allah is going to make the choice he would only choose the best so who is able to receive communication from God the purest of the pure the highest of the high the wisest of the wise the most knowledgeable of the knowledgeable, the most merciful of the merciful, the most beautiful of the beautiful, who is able to receive this communication from him and then pass it on to other people? Only the people who are at the highest level of piety, wisdom, rationality, understanding and humbleness. All these qualities are important. In the paper on Revelation, I have mentioned some of these characteristics and some hadith about them. In any case, 
we have to remember that to be a prophet is not something easy it's not that every person for example a sinful person a careless person or a person who has a history of crimes and sins would be able to get this especially remember that people need to be able to trust prophets when prophets come they ask for radical change in the life of people they would ask them to stop doing things that they and their ancestors maybe used to do for centuries they have to change their lifestyle they have to leave aside some of the things which were very dear to them like their idols whether it be real and you know idols which are physical idols or the idols like you know fame like norms of their society money and so on and so forth even the prophets may ask them to be ready to offer the life and money and everything that they have for the sake of improvement for the sake of getting closer to god so if people were in doubt about the prophets or if people were thinking that maybe this prophet who makes mistakes in his personal life maybe now he's also making mistakes or a person who used to do bad things in the past maybe now he's doing bad things this would conflict their ability to trust 100% the prophets prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam for 40 years lived among the people of mecca and they knew him as amin as honest as truthful they didn't hear a single lie from him and still many people did not believe it took them years some people even after 13 years of prophet preaching in mecca they didn't believe and when the prophet migrated to medina they started you know wars and you know attacks and so on and so forth so although they very well knew the honesty of the prophet they had no single bad memory of him doing bad things but still some people didn't believe now imagine if the prophet was lying in his personal life or for example was known that he had lied in the past then how would be the situation so we believe that the prophets have that level of piety and purity and understanding and wisdom and humbleness and rationality that would make them free from sins and when it comes to things like forgetfulness or mistakes not moral mistakes you know for example sometimes you want to say something you say something else or you may forget something these are the things that then Allah helps them with the main focus is not to commit sins not to do things which are immoral and then 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completes the job. Ma'asum means the one who is protected, who is kept away from bad things and mistakes. But you should not take it as something which is totally given by God. So that we say, okay, God can make every person ma'asum. There is nothing special in the prophets. God made them ma'asum. No. It's a gift, but given to the people who struggle for it, who qualify for it. If a prophet all his life lived the life of piety and akhlaq, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would give him this gift of being kept away even from forgetfulness, from mistakes. So this is something important about the nature of Isma that I wanted to mention. In the book, you have two rational arguments for the necessity of the Isma or infallibility for the prophets. The first is that the main reason for sending the prophets is to guide humanity to the truth and deliver the command of God and educating people. They represent Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are like Khalifatullah, the vicegerents of God among the people who would lead them towards the right path. If the prophets themselves do not obey God, do not follow the path of God, do not move on the path of God, how can then they expect people to follow the path of God and to embark on this journey towards God? The wisdom of God, the grace of God, require that the prophets would be not misguiding people or not misrepresenting God. They should be away from anything which is not pleasing to God. And the second reason is that the prophets, in addition to teaching and educating people, have the responsibility of acting as a role model, as an example, as we say in the Quran, as uswa, an example, a good role model. So if they themselves are not very, very pious and moral, how then we can expect people to have these role models inspiring them and making them pious and moral. So these are two arguments in the book and also there are you know verses from the Quran that are used in more detailed book about Isma and inshallah in future we can study them or you can study yourself those other verses. Another issue is about the protection of revelation as we already said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of his wisdom he has a plan for humanity he communicates to them but through the people who are able to receive the communication it's not that every single human being 
can receive wahi and also is not wise to give to every person wahi not only it's not possible it's not also wise because then there would be no trial to find out what is the true message of God and who is representing God and then committing yourself to that is a test but if every day Jibrail was coming to people's every person's house and says this is what God wants from you then it's not a big test okay now the question is the prophets who have been chosen by wise God to deliver his message to humanity if they don't do this the purpose is not achieved the point is missed and it will be against wisdom of God God has knowledge and power and wisdom to do what is the best and therefore if he wants to communicate to us in order to guide us he is able to find a way that can fulfill the job not only he is able he has the knowledge he has the wisdom and he has the desire for doing this because he's benevolent therefore if he doesn't do this we cannot understand why people may have something in mind but not be able to deliver it to achieve it because either they don't know how to do it or they don't have the power to do it or they are not wise or they are not you know benevolent but if someone wants to do something and has good intention good desire and has all the resources and everything in his control why he should fail to do so so we cannot understand anything that would contradict these great qualities of God so God wants to communicate in order to guide humanity to the highest levels of perfection and he would choose people who would be able to deliver the job and he would help them with those things that are needed in order to bless all humanity but those people should themselves be qualified they should do their best they would should not you know sit at a place and say we don't do anything and god should for example do everything for us they would struggle they would be aiming at the highest levels of piety possible for every person but then what is extra to their ability like for example not to forget not to make mistake these are the things that god helps them with the next question is about people who claim to be prophets in the course of history we had 124,000 prophets these were true prophets but there were also people who claimed to be prophets they were false prophets how can people distinguish between someone who is truthful and honest and someone who is not truthful and honest 
sometimes it's not difficult if people are wise and knowledgeable and moral they would realize that these false prophets are not qualified for this because it's not that a pious person claims falsely those who were false prophets they had moral issues and for sure this was not their first time because no one does such a big crime of claiming to be a prophet of God unless he has already done before many many bad things or has been doing a life living a life of you know um, forgetfulness of God and sinning God but in addition to leave no doubt for people to identify who is a true prophet theologians have mentioned three methods sometimes you have believed yourself with a person this would not apply to the people of our age but for example the time of prophet muhammad or other prophets the first method is that they have lived with the prophet for very long time for example in the case of the prophet muhammad 40 years people lived with him and they knew him very well and they knew that he never said even a single lie he never did anything wrong everything about him and his family is clear and good so if he says something about world about this world they would accept if he says something about the other world they would accept the people who are truth-seeking and honest and open they would accept this is the first method if there is a way for them through their personal contacts and intimate relations to realize that this man is a man of God never makes any false claim but for some cases this method doesn't work because maybe a person has become a prophet in very young age it's not that every prophet became prophet after 40 and also sometimes people maybe for example have not been living in the same place that that prophet used to live so we need other methods as well the second method is introduction by previous prophets when someone has been established to be a prophet and then he introduces another prophet then this is also a way to establish that the second person is also a prophet but the third is which is more general and everyone can have somehow access to it if they are supposed to believe in a prophet they should be able to verify this is through miracles mu'jiza miracles mu'jiza in arabic comes from ajz and ajz means incompetence not being able to do something mu'jiza is in in you know, literal sense an act that makes other people unable to compete to bring something similar to that this is the literal meaning of mu'jiza 
But technically, mu'jiza has very clearly defined meaning. Uh, in the most um, detailed way, we can define it in this way. Maybe this is more detailed than the book. So please take a note of this. Mu'jiza technically is an extraordinary act. And we mean by extraordinary something that people cannot do. Something that everyone can do, everyone can learn how to do it. Maybe they don't know to do it, but they can learn it. This is not mu'jiza. For example, sometimes, you know, we look at wonderful pieces of art that many people say we cannot do something like this. But still, this is not mu'jiza because the person who has done this has learned it and he can teach other people. Mu'jiza has to be an extraordinary act that a person who claims to be prophet, if he doesn't claim to be prophet, then it's not Mu'jiza. If Imams or holy people, saints do something extraordinary, we don't call it Mu'jiza. Technically, we call it Karama. Mu'jiza is only used for the prophets. So an extraordinary act that a person who claims to be prophet does. That no one would be able to bring like it. And it comes with tahaddi, with challenge. It says no one can bring like this. And it should come also in compliance with his claim. Because there were cases that people did something extraordinary, but against their will. For example, there was a person who claimed to be prophet. When people asked him to help, maybe they wanted to test him with shortage of water in their will, in their well, sorry. In their maybe village, in their farm, in their home, they had a well, water well. And they said, you know, okay, if you are a prophet, help us with this. He put from his water, mouth water in the well, and it was totally dried. It dried out. It's extraordinary. Not every person can do this. But this is not mu'jiza, because Allah wanted to show to people that this man is not honest. So when he wanted to do something, something extraordinary happened, but against his claim. He said, I'm going to make this water abundant. It became completely dry. So therefore they say it has to be something in compliance with his will and his claim. So every extra, every extraordinary act that is performed by a person who claims to be prophet, that no one can bring like it, and comes with uh, the way that he wanted, the way that he, you know, tried to do it. This is 
mu'jiza. And we have to remember that mu'jiza is not an exception in causality. It's not that, for example, when Musa salam threw the stick and became snake or dragon, there was no cause and effect system. Or when Isa was healing the ill people or reviving the dead or giving life to the statue of birth, there was no causality. No, causality is there. Causality has no exception. But the causes which we normally know are only part of the causality system. There are known and ordinary causes. There are unknown causes. So if you see a person does something through a cause that you don't know, you are not used to it, you don't think that this is an exception in causality. No, it's not an exception in causality. It's a new cause that we were not aware We have to remember, and I emphasize again, that people cannot learn how to do mojiza. It's not like extraordinary act of some of the, for example, ascetics, some of, you know, ascetics in India, some of the maybe, for example, people who have had very difficult lives sometimes they are able to do something, they are able to read people's mind, for example, move objects. But these are the things that other people can learn. Mu'jaza is something that no one can learn, and Mu'jaza is something that no one can stop. In the case of things that ascetic people can do, sometimes there may be a person who is stronger and stops it. This is very possible. But Mu'jaza is not able to be stopped. No one can stop it. So, miracles are extraordinary they are not something that can be taught and educated no one can challenge and stop it there must be coming from a person who claims to be prophet because if he claims to be prophet and he has this ability god would definitely not let this happen if he wants to misguide people imagine if a person is able to do something extraordinary, it means that God has given him special power. And then he wants to misguide people. This would question God's wisdom. Why would why God give uh, such power to a person who is not good, who wants to misguide? So we say he has to claim to be a prophet because then God would stop dishonest people. God would never give such miraculous power to people who want to cheat. And the one who brings miracles should be Adil, should be righteous and should not be doing any bad things, any sins. Then we said if an extraordinary act is done by Imams, by holy people, then this is not called technically Mojiza. Maybe in some, you know, usage of the term, it's called mojiza, but technically we use karama. We say it's karama, which means that it's a kind of honor and a kind of gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to some people. 
Okay, Alhamdulillah, we managed to finish Unit 4. The discussion about the prophethood has finished. And in this way, uh, we finish also our uh, discussion in this semester. And inshallah, we will continue our discussion in the next semester. I would like to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving us this blessing of studying and learning. And I hope, inshallah, you will be able to review your notes, the book, and get fully acquainted with these important subjects that are covered so far. We have covered so far Unit 2, Unit 3, and Unit 4, Theology, Anthropology, and Prophethood. Thank you very much, and please remember us in your dua. وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين.